Let's turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 34. Mark chapter 1. Notice in verse 34, And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils, suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will. Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it abroad and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. If I was to title the message today, it would be one. One. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... That would be everyone, everyone, whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's concerned about not just the world. He's concerned about the one. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I beg you again this morning for the filling of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, as I preach, may your word go forth into every heart for any that are without Christ. I pray the Spirit of God would show them very clearly their need for the Son of God. Their only hope of getting to heaven is through Jesus Christ. May they come to him today, and I know you'll save them if they will. Now, Father, deal with our hearts, I pray today, and we'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, just about every believer I know has some favorite Bible characters. Of course, Jesus would always be at the top of the list, but... But we have other characters that are special to us. I love to read about Daniel. I I think of this young man gets carried off into captivity, and yet he's willing to stand by the convictions that he has and not budge and does right, even though it might mean his life for standing for right. Uh, We love some of the stories of David. Some of the stories of David we don't much care for. I don't know about you, but I don't care for his sin. With Bathsheba, I don't care what he did, uh, about what he did with uh, her husband and having him murdered. Uh, That's kind of discouraging right there. But here he was, a man after God's own heart. He teaches us that, yes, even the best of men are still men at best. Even the best of men do fail 
and mess up. We want all of our heroes to always be godly, and they're not always so. But uh, I love Paul. Paul's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I read a book several years ago about Paul, written by a man by the name of Pollock, who's not a fundamentalist. He happened to be a new evangelical. But I'll tell you, I read the book, The Man Who Shook the World, and it helped me to see Paul as a man. You say, well, he was a man. Yeah, I know. But a lot of times we look at some of the Bible characters and we ascribe like perhaps they're kind of superhuman. And No, he was just a man who trusted Christ as Savior and God changed his life. And the things that he did, he did because he fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that book helped me to see that. And I really, uh, from that point on, as I follow Paul through the book of Acts and through his epistles, it always just amazes me, his singular purpose in bringing people to the Son of God. I love that. Some like Peter. Some, it'd be prophets like Elijah and Elisha. But I want to tell you, one of my favorite Bible characters is this man that we meet at the end of Mark chapter 1. Just a leper. God doesn't even tell us his name. He was just a leper. But God tells us his story. Because Jesus is concerned about everyone. As 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, we look at this particular time in Jesus' ministry. Obviously, in Mark chapter 1, we're talking about the early days of his ministry, his early preaching as he went out. And the emphasis after the temptation that took place, and then, of course, uh, he went out preaching, preached in... uh, um, preached in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. That was his very first message uh, that we find in his ministry. But it emphasized casting out demons, of course, to show his power over the devil. It emphasized also the healing of those that were sick. But uh, he was concerned about people. You'll remember, of course, he came as a fulfillment of the prophecy in the Old Testament, and he even preached from that passage when he preached at Bethlehem, not at Bethlehem, I'm sorry, but at Nazareth, as he preached from there, from Isaiah chapter 61 in verses 1 and 2. But looking at Jesus as we come to this incident, we see a number of truths about Jesus that are very important. We see his calling. For he tells us in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He says basically the same thing also in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Even Paul writes later on in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Thank God he came to save sinners. Without him coming for sinners, we'd all be lost with absolutely no hope. We also see his compassion. The Bible says that Jesus had compassion on him. We are so deadened to the plight of people today. The TV has something to do with that. There's no doubt. We see it quite often. We're, we're, matter of fact, we've gotten to the place where it seems like the world cares more about the whales and the animals than it does about people. We hear about numbers of people dying. It doesn't move people, but show a dog. And listen, I have a heart for dogs. I love dogs. I'd rather have a dog than a cat any day. Hallelujah. Amen. 
By the way, somebody said dogs prepare you for parenthood. He said, but, he said, but cats prepare you for having a teenager. Anyway, <laughs> we, also see, we also see his contact and his charge. But I, I want to note some truths in this man's life. Jesus, so compassionate, reaches out to this man, heals him, and gives him some particular instruction. But notice, first of all, his condition. Verse 40, the scripture says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The first thing we notice about this man, he was unclean. Now, if you don't know much about leprosy back in Bible days, and you may not understand the importance of this, God had laid out in the law how lepers were to keep themselves from people who were not lepers. As a matter of fact, they were required to cover up, if they got close to anybody, to cover up their lip and to shout, unclean, unclean. If they didn't do that, they could be put to death on the spot. They didn't want it to spread. Leprosy was a horrible disease. It might start as just a little spot, but as it would continue to grow, leprosy would eat away fingers and toes. It might eat out an eye socket to where the eye just simply falls out and hangs there at the side of their cheek. It is a terrible way to go, terrible blight on a society. And here was a leper. There's a reason why they have leper colonies so that the leprosy not spread. But back in those days, in Jesus' day, it not only meant a horrible death, but they had to be very careful not to infect other people. They had no chance of advancement anywhere in all of society. They could dress in the finest clothes, but they were still going to rot away. But let me say these people who were the blight of society through no fault of their own, these people meant something to God and meant something to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in that leprosy something about the plight of every man. For the Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Or as he says in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. And yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In verse 10, he tells us we were reconciled. When we were enemies of God, we were reconciled by the death of his son. Thank God. He cares for sinners. When the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Nothing mankind can do on his own. Nothing, whether it be religious or whether it be humanitarian, can please God until he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's lost. He's a sinner. A little spot of leprosy meant the curse of death and a horrible death it would be. It might be a nose that would get eaten away or an eye socket or fingers or toes or hands. But it was a hopeless future that they were condemned to. Hopeless from human help. There was no cure. I mean, they didn't have an awful lot of the, of the cures and uh, medical assistant things that we have today to be a help to people. So it is with the sinner. They can go to church, they can get baptized, they can give to the poor, they can give up certain things, but they're still a sinner. 
Still a sinner. That leper could put on the finest set of clothes, but he was still a leper. And it didn't matter how much of him was a leper. In other words, if he just had a little spot on him of leprosy, he was unclean. Well, we got sin all over us. For the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We are both sinners by, by nature, and we are sinners by choice, according to the word of God. And the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says, In death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation 21.8, the Bible declares, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and idolaters and sorcerers and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. His condition, hopeless, destitute, despised. That was the condition of this one that Jesus took note of. Notice his cry in verse 40. In verse 40 it says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. We see some great lessons in the nature of this cry. First of all, we see his faith. Now, we don't know how far he had to come in order to be where Jesus would be at at this time. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But he believed enough. We don't even know how much he had heard about Jesus at this time. This is early in his ministry. But he believed enough to put everything at risk in order to be cleansed. To even get around. Remember, there were multitudes around Jesus. And to get that close to the crowd, they could have had him stoned to death. He's taking the chance with his very life in coming to Jesus. He recognized Jesus' authority. We know that because he kneeled before him. And the Bible says he was beseeching him. He was not commanding him. you got some of these fake faith healers that are on the TV that want to tell you, you can command Jesus. It's like he's your servant boy. And he's got to do whatever you command him to do. No, it doesn't work like that. He is God. He is Lord. You don't command him. He commands us. Here's a man who paid that respect to the Lord Jesus Christ. If thou wilt. Thou canst. It's a statement of faith that Jesus could do it if thou wilt. At this point, it is healing or death. It is either Jesus or nobody. That is what it comes to in salvation. It's either Jesus or death. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. According to 1 John 5, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's either Jesus or death. The Bible declares, but as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's either Jesus or death. There is no hope of heaven. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible declares very plainly, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. Peter, preaching in Acts 4.12, said, Neither is there salvation 
in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's either Jesus or death. He is your only hope. In Acts chapter 16, when the Philippian jailer fell down before Paul and Silas, he cried out, what must I do to be saved? And Paul answered very clearly, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's Jesus or death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's either Jesus or death. John 3, 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, I believe this leper understood something. It was either Jesus or death. This was his only hope. We see his condition. We see the cry. And then we see the wonderful cleansing that's given by the Lord Jesus in verse 42. Notice, and as soon as he had spoken... Well, first of all, let me read verse 41 again. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. I love that. That's so plain. I will be thou clean. You see, Jesus wants to save everybody. That's why he came. He longs to save everybody, but he doesn't make anybody get saved. Now, as far as we know from the story, this is the only leper that was saved that day. We don't know of any other. No doubt there were other lepers in the country, but this one had come to Jesus, and he's going to leave clean. He's going to leave healed because he came to Christ. And Christ coming to save sinners did that for this man who was facing a horrible death. The Bible says Jesus had compassion. You find that several times in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, 14 times we read of Jesus having compassion on individuals. I think of the song, Does Jesus Care? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. Yes, he does care. He has compassion on the individual that will come to him. Man deserves death. And the proof of God's love for him is that he offers salvation as a free gift to everyone that will receive the Son of God. Many times when a person is convicted of his sinfulness, he wonders if God could even save him. I know before I got saved, I, well, how could he save me? How could he save me, such a sinner? See, I, I fear, unfortunately, that too many times... When the gospel is presented, we don't spend enough time on getting people to understand that they are lost. They are lost. They are hopeless in themselves. There's nothing they can do to save themselves. Nothing. Their only hope is as a sinner to throw themselves on Jesus and to receive him, to receive his righteousness. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Jesus said in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What a marvelous promise. No matter who you are, hey, he'll save you. You come to him. He will not cast you out. That's his promise. 
even the last invitation in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. And the spirit of the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Doesn't cost you anything. You can't pay for it. What you deserve is death, and he wants to give you life. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 12, the scripture says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Revelation, our Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, uh, verse 9, not willing that any should perish. Jesus has compassion and says, I will be thou clean. You know, the Bible declares all the promises of God. In him are yea and in him amen under the glory of God by us. Preacher, how do you know you're saved? Well, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Thank God with my heart when I saw myself as lost and Christ as my only hope. I simply asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. Saw myself as a sinner I was, hopeless, and only he could do the cleansing. I put my trust in him and thank God he doesn't turn you away. I also want you to note this. It says, as soon as he had spoken, immediately. I like that word, immediately. I, I remember several years ago seeing one of those Hollywood things on Jesus. And uh, Jesus was healing somebody, performing a miracle. And they had this man. He, he, was, he was a man who evidently was weak in the legs, couldn't stand. And so very slowly he starts getting up and then he takes one little step, and then he puts his weight on that, and then he takes another little... That's not how Jesus healed people. Did it immediately. Immediately. As a matter of fact, immediately and straightway are the key words in the book of Mark. Over and over again, straightway, immediately, he did it. When I trusted Christ as Savior, immediately, he saved me. He doesn't save partway, and he doesn't save in stages, but immediately... Immediately cleansed. We see his condition and his cry. We also see his cleansing. But we also hear his charge. Verse 43. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. Now what did he charge him? Notice it says, and saith to him, unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. He charges him, first of all, don't say anything to anybody. Well, that seems strange, doesn't it? Now, he goes out and tells everybody. But Jesus said, don't say anything to anybody. Now, I'd say this guy's pretty excited about what just happened to him. I mean, if you had leprosy and you were dying and you knew that there was no hope, for you to live unless this man, Jesus, that you've heard about could do something. And suddenly the leprosy is gone. At his word, it's gone. You'd be pretty excited about it too. Much like the man in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 3, that was our chapter 2, that was healed by, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3, healed by Paul, our Peter. 
I'm going to get the right names pretty soon. Read it for yourself. Anyway, he was healed. And when he got healed, he was running and leaping and praising God. Yeah, you ought to be excited about it. I think a person ought to be excited if they get saved. Well, I just don't believe in emotion. Well, I'll tell you what. You be dying and you get healed. I'll guarantee you, you'll get emotional about that. I'm I'm not a big emotional creature myself, but I got emotional about being saved. I was glad to have my sins forgiven. I was glad to be going to heaven, man. It was all taken care of. But he doesn't just charge him not to say anything to anybody. He says, go to the priest. Why would he tell him to go to the priest? I mean, the priest hadn't helped him before. As a matter of fact, it would have been a priest who would have declared him unclean. Why would he go to the priest? And I want you to get this. It was to fulfill the law. You see, once declared unclean, even if they got over it, even if they were healed, they were not considered clean again until that person went through what was required in the law to prove that they were clean. Jesus did not come to destroy the law and the prophets but to fulfill them. Jesus always fulfilled the law. As a matter of fact, if Jesus had not fulfilled the law in his life, then he would have been a sinner. And you say, how do you know that? Because of God's definition of sin. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. He's telling this man that he's just cleansed. Now you obey the law, you go to the priest. You need to be declared clean. Now wasn't the time really for him to go out and be telling everybody about him. Now was the time for him to be declared clean by the priest. Now you may say, but Jesus is our great high priest. Yes, that's true. He is our great high priest. But this man had been declared unclean by the law, and now he needed to be declared clean. It was proof to the world that he had actually been healed. He was fulfilling the law. And I'll remind you, it was Jesus here that told him to do that. Now, you know, there are five times that Jesus performed miracles in the gospel accounts where he told the people to say nothing about it. This is one of those, that the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead in Mark chapter 5, verse 43, at the healing of the deaf mute in Mark chapter 7 and verse 36, the healing of one of the blind men in Mark chapter 8 and verse 26, and then the healing of two blind men in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 30. So he's promoting obedience Do you understand that? Well, this man's healed. Yes, he is. And Jesus is promoting obedience. By the way, when he heals the ten lepers in the book of Luke, he tells them to go to the priest. Why? As a public testimony that they had been officially healed. But this man had something to be excited about. His life is now changing dramatically. He just can't keep it in. No more crying unclean. No more an outcast in society. Look what God has done. No more waking up wondering what new spot there might be. Whether or not a finger or toe is going to drop off. No more worried about any of that. He's been made clean and he's excited. So he began to, the scripture says, publish it much. 
He blazed abroad the matter like that man in Acts chapter 3. Why is this man so excited though? He's still going to die. Do you understand that? He's still going to die. A lot of people never considered that. You know, I get saved. I realize if Jesus doesn't come back during my lifetime, this body's still going to die. But I never am. You understand that? I look at Lazarus. Now, people have different ideas about Lazarus. But when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and that's great excitement for Mary and Martha. I'm not sure so much for Lazarus uh, because he was going to have to die again. I mean, Lazarus was going to have people now want to kill him too. Jesus raised him from the dead. You see, in society, they don't accept everything of God as being from God. And a lot of times they hate the things that are of God. But now I think about it. I was condemned. I was lost. I was guilty of my sin. No hope to escape hell of anything that I could do. I thought I was a pretty good fellow, but God says, no, I was a sinner and I was lost. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Thank God when I called on Christ, he saved me. That made me forgiven, clean, eternal life. Heaven's my destiny. What is interesting here is Jesus told him to tell no one. And he tells everybody. He tells us to tell everybody. And too many of us tell no one. And yet what we have in the healing of our soul for eternal life is far greater than what he had in just the healing of his body. We ought to be extra excited about what we have in Christ. We see this man's condition, his cry, his cleansing, his charge. We also see his converts. Look at verse 45. This is amazing. He went out, began to publish it much, to blaze abroad the matter, Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every corner. He just wouldn't shut up about it. Now think about this man. He had had to walk around. We don't know for how many years. He had had to walk around declaring, unclean, unclean, unclean. And he had to do that. He no longer has to do that. But he's crying out now probably, clean, clean. Man, I'm saved. I shouldn't be ashamed of it. Ought to be excited about it. Excited enough to want others to know about that. So many want to know and need to know. And here we've got one old leper. And he has multitudes coming to Christ. So that Jesus, now think about this, couldn't even enter into the city because the crowds just hearing that Jesus was headed that way were so large. John Wesley used to tell his preachers, set yourself on fire and people will come out to watch you burn. Now you may not think that a crowd or anybody would come and Listen to anything you have to say, but you'll never know that till you start telling people and start being excited about telling people. This guy just wouldn't shut up. 
Remember John chapter 4? You've got the woman at the well. As a matter of fact, turn over to John chapter 4 just a moment. Here was a, here was a woman, been married five times. She was living with a man that wasn't her husband. She meets Jesus. She says in verse 25, I know Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. She goes running in to tell everybody in the city she had met the Christ. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And you look at verses 28 and 29. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now notice verse 30 says, Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Now go down to verse 39. In verse 39, the scripture says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman was testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. He abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Now, it lets us know here that a lot of the people that came simply believed what this woman had said. They had known her as a harlot. That's how they had known her, but they believed what she said. She's got an excitement about her. There's a reality about her where they now want to see him because they're believing what she said, but then there's others. They probably came out because the fact that so many folks were going out of the city at one time. You know, it's kind of like watching a crowd. You start looking to see where they're going. Why are they all running in that direction? They wanted to follow along and see. They got there. They heard Jesus speak for a while. And notice what it says in verse 42. And said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now here's the truth from that verse. But they never would have even went to hear him if she hadn't spoken. Some of those people believed because they heard her talk. Others at least went to see because they heard her talk. They didn't believe because of what she said, but they never would have been there to hear Jesus if they hadn't been excited about it. You say, man, I wish we'd see more people in church. Talk about him. Talk about the gospel being preached at Madison Baptist Church. Talk about the fellowship. Well, I just don't know if I can. I, I can't talk, preacher. Then sell your phone. Get your phone gone. You don't need it. I mean, don't tell me you can't talk and you've got a phone. What a hypocrite. I remember some of you know the name Carl Hatch. He's been in glory now for a few years. but He had been just a drunken bum up in Detroit, Michigan. Just a drunken bum. His testimony is an amazing testimony. He should have been dead. I mean, he fell asleep on a snowy night in the streets of Detroit and uh, woke up the next day. The snow plows had covered up his body. He had practically frozen to death. But he ended up getting saved because someone, a preacher, cared about his soul. And even though he cursed the preacher, he kept going back to uh, win Carl Hatch to the Lord. When Carl Hatch got saved... He saved and brought, uh, after he got saved, he brought 267 of his co-workers to Christ. I'm talking about other people working in the same automobile factory that he worked at in Detroit. 267. Many of you remember Brother Bill Barons, who was with us numbers of years before he went to glory. 
I loved, always loved to hear his testimony. Every, t- every other time he'd come, I'd say, we need to hear your testimony again. And he'd talk about being brought up in a Catholic background, and he was even a little frightened to go into a Baptist church. And he first time he went, the preacher got up. He had gotten a letter from uh, somebody that hated him, and the preacher got up and read the letter. And uh, the guy was, was challenging the preacher. Of course, the guy signed his name anonymous, very famous individual who writes to a lot of preachers, anonymous. And that preacher would take off his coat and tell the man to come on up. I'm going to have a fight. He said, you come back next week. Well, he kept going back because he wanted to see a good fight. He's a Marine DI man. He liked fighting. That was a good idea. Finally, he got saved. Matter of fact, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it's an amazing story. The next Sunday after he got saved, he had 49 family members in the church on that Sunday. They filled the first, I don't know what he said, three or four roles on one side. The message was given. He just knew they were all going to get saved. Message was given. The invitation was started. And uh, he was peeking. And nobody moved. And he thought, no. So he got out front of those pews. And he said, roll one. Lift up your eyes. Move. (laughs) They went out. Workers went out with him. He said, row two. Lift up your eyes. Right through that door. Move. He had over 40 of his family members get born again that day. Of those 40, all but one remained faithful to the Lord to their death. See, he was just a Marine DI. He didn't know any better. He couldn't win anybody to Christ, but he saw all those relatives come to Christ in one Sunday. Because he was excited about what he had gotten in Christ. Jesus saves. He gives eternal life to all that trust him. There's one here today. You've never taken Jesus Christ as your personal savior. I can guarantee you this. If you'll come to Jesus today. He will save your soul. He will forgive your sins. He will give you eternal life. But let me reiterate. He will not make you come. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved, but he gives you the choice. You can stay lost and die and go to hell, but that's on you. That's not, you say, oh, I don't believe in God of love. The God of love is giving you an opportunity this morning to go to heaven. If you die and go to hell, it'll be nobody's fault but your own. The God of love wants to save you. But you say no to him, there is no other way to heaven. He's the only one. You must trust him today. And for us believers, I look at this leper. Some used to be great witnesses. Some used to tell many. Don't tell many anymore. But there's more lost people around than ever before. The need is great. I believe there are believers today that ought to re-enlist in witnessing to those around us for Christ. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, move upon hearts. For any without Jesus, may they clearly see. They need him. There's no hope of heaven without him. May they come to Christ. For those watching over the internet right now, right now they could bow their head where they're at, cry out to you, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I'm putting my faith and trust in Christ alone to save me. Oh, Lord, please move upon hearts today. Challenge our lives today. For I ask it in Jesus' name.